What's up, the Sports Podcast? Today is Monday, the 18th of September. I'm Randy Coure, and we are live via Twitter Spaces. You could also find uh, What's Up, the Sports Podcast on several podcasting platforms as well as YouTube. It is roundtable time, and I'm guessing by saying the word September in today's date, it's music to our ear, uh, to the ears of uh, the panelists for tonight's. Uh, roundtable. We are going to go heavy with uh, Major League Baseball and uh, the uh, playoff race involving uh, the Major Leagues. Uh, Really excited to introduce uh, tonight's roundtable. Matt Sirianni gave a sparkling rookie uh, roundtable performance back in June. I'm certainly not expecting a sophomore slump. Matt, how are you? I'm doing great. Um, you know, I've always wanted to come back on the show ever since my debut. And obviously, Randy, I appreciate you giving me the invite. And uh, Lily, Jake, Colorcast Beauty guys, great to be with you guys. And let's have some fun. And uh, Matt took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, the uh, next two panelists are f- from the, uh, well, now defunct Apple uh, podcasting, uh, Apple Colorcast app. Uh, you can hear uh, him on uh, Twitter as he's uh, talking sports with Jake. Uh, give him a follow at Jake Cardinale six. Uh, he is Jake Cardinale. Jake, how are you? I'm very, very good, RC. Uh, thank you so much for, for the plug. That is me. Yeah, I've been trying to connect with Randy for a while now. I'm very happy to be here. And yes, uh, that that is me on Twitter. And yes, I do my show. Uh, I go live on Twitter face and on YouTube as well. We've had uh, had a couple of good conversations, you and I, Jake. We have. Much, we uh, certainly have. We certainly have. No, definitely looking forward to this evening. And uh, repping the U.S. Midwest as a podcaster, broadcaster, and is uh, all things brew crew. She yes. catch her uh, sports thoughts uh, at Lily June Shoe. Shoe is spelled S-C-H-U. Lily Schumacher is here. Lily, the pleasure is all mine. How's it going? I'm doing great. Um, you can also catch me. I have another podcast called Fudge and Meat. Um, that is another one of my mainstays. That is Packers and Brewers, which especially right now focusing on Packers, but not going to find me as regularly, I think, as uh, some of these other guys. But, you know, every once in a while, you'll be able to catch my thoughts, hear me there. But it's absolutely a pleasure to be here and doing this with you guys. Now, uh, Lily, uh, forgive my ignorance, but, uh, you know, for a guy like myself who is uh, born, raised, and living in Toronto, Canada, I mean, the uh, cheese head is also uh, visible at Lambeau Field. And uh, is uh, can the same be said for, say, Pfizer Form and Miller Park? I mean, is it a Packers thing, the cheese head, or is it a Milwaukee slash Wisconsin thing? It's mostly a Packers thing, but it has kind of extended into Wisconsin culture as a whole. It kind of does represent, you know, just a Wisconsinite. I think particularly it's always going to be a Packers fan type of thing. But this season for the Brewers, uh, 
not recently they gave it up i think a month ago about but after every home run they would put the cheese head um on the player who had hit the home run so it has kind of extended there i think sometimes you'll you'll see fans wearing it i'd say more likely at a brewers game than a bucks game but packers game you can you know for sure there's cheese heads cheese cowboy hats cheese bras etc so there's a lot of different things that people will wear cheese bras i that's uh that's interesting okay yeah oh yeah it exists <laughs> yeah and especially at lambeau field i mean that must be quite uncomfortable to wear but uh i mean uh, what i was going to say was that my uh i do have a uh a contact who lives in madison and he did say that he was going to send me a cheese head that was two years ago and now i've kind of lost faith so steve if you're out there you know uh you're you're not on my good books but uh to the three of you thank you uh thank you so much for uh for joining uh, me and you know, I, you know, I'd love to start things off because the World Cup of Basketball uh, finished about a couple weeks ago, and Germany has claimed uh, their first men's uh, basketball World Cup, uh, defeating uh, Serbia. My home and native land of Canada won uh, hardware at this tournament for the first time ever. Uh, they are going to the Olympics for the first time since 2000 at the expense of the United States. Uh, who haven't meddled uh, since 2014, but reinforcements appear to be on the way. I mean, Matt, uh, I'd love to ask you if you uh, followed uh, the Men's World Cup and uh, are you a fan of international basketball in general? So it's funny you bring this up. I actually did watch a majority of the World Cup. I watched the exhibition play. I watched the round robin play. And when we got to the knockout stages, I did follow a lot of what the U.S. was doing. And for the most part, um, the U.S. played really well. I think Austin Reeves and um, played did his part. I also liked, you know, the way the defense played. But as far as international play goes, I like international play. You know, you, two fewer minutes left every quarter. Um, the defense is more intense defensive play, and ultimately, I just think that it's more interesting, more compelling. I remember getting into this when I first started watching the Olympics back in 2016, and I just think there's more hustle with 40 minutes and 48 minutes. So that's why I find compelling. But as far as the U.S. run goes, yes. Um, Germany, I don't know where they got the steam to beat the U.S. from, but the U.S. looked so good for most of their run and um, just came short of a comeback against Germany. And, you know, Canada, uh, we were discussing this before we went on. I didn't know a few people that were from Canada that played in the NBA. So that was kind of compelling to know. But again, like, it was a great tournament and congrats to Germany. Yeah, no, uh, uh, Shea Gilchrist Alexander, we were talking about, yeah, Hamilton Zone, which is about 20 minutes west of where I currently live in Milton, uh, Ontario, uh, which is about uh, 45 minutes west of Toronto. And uh, with the likes of uh, Jamal Murray and Ben Matherin, and uh, I mean, there's definitely uh, quite a bit of talent uh, on the Canadian side. And uh, uh Obviously, Jake, it was a, a massive accomplishment for my country to beat uh, the United States. Uh, that being said, uh, the uh, creme de la crop of uh, the red, white, and blue were not at uh, this uh, World Cup. Uh, after uh, the bronze medal match, USA finished in fourth, and uh, there was a reported plea from uh, NBA legend LeBron James to... Uh, gather the troops for uh, the Paris Olympics. I mean, don't you think that there should be an importance to the World Cup, however, that 
everybody is so geared up for the Olympics, but uh, not a lot of people are interested in this uh, FIBA World Cup. Yeah, uh, I, I'll put it this way. A lot of people were very surprised that the U.S. Uh, did not medal at the World Cup. People were like, what happened? I don't know why people are that surprised. The, U- the U.S. team, to me, hasn't impressed me at the World Cup in a long time. I The last World Cup team that I even thought had a shot at even the bronze was probably 2014. Every year, they send out this mis- misfit club. I mean, Josh Josh Hart was on the team. I love Josh Hart. He fits the Knicks perfectly, but he doesn't even start on his own team. There was guys on that team that don't start for their own team. And then the Olympics comes around, and they send the Avengers. They send LeBron. They send Curry. They send Durant. They send Devin Booker. Kobe Bryant when he was still playing. And they demolish everybody. And they're like, what happened? Just look at the talent. For the FIBA team, they send, like, it's almost like saying the minor league team. Nothing, nothing else nothing against them. Like, I love Jalen Brunson. He's great. And like Anthony Edwards, all these guys are great. But compared to the Avengers team that they sent for you with LeBron James and, you know, like back in the day, they would send obviously Carmel Anthony, all, all those guys. And now it's like obviously Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry. Like, people need to stop being so surprised. And for why, like, they should be more interested in the World Cup. I just think that the World Cup comes around more often than the Olympics. You know, these guys play all year round. They train all year round. So it, it's just a lot. And because the Olympics is what only once every four years, or, or I guess like the summer where they they open every every two years, I just think the Olympics is more well known for whatever reason. I I just think that's what it is. But but also people need to stop being surprised that the U.S. team is not performing as well in the FIBA as they are in the Olympics. The team that they send to the Olympics is just miles better. Well, and also uh, the fact that this uh, tournament was in. Uh, Japan, Philippines, and Indonesia. I mean, it's not really a stone's throw away from here in North America. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, the last World Cup was in China. So, uh, you you know, uh, Lily, I I think that uh, where I'd like to, uh, where I see a comparison between basketball and baseball is that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, especially with uh, basketball, as well as hockey, I mean, uh, the Olympics just seem to be so much more alluring for NBA players, NHL players. And, you know, 2007, I guess, was the uh, first iteration of the uh, International Baseball with the World Baseball Classic. Mm-hmm. Really great uh, dynamic. And, uh, you know, I think it's a really great uh, uh, program. But, I mean, it really hasn't captured uh, steam yet. However, that being said, I mean, uh, I think we were all enthralled with the uh, uh, USA Japan in the uh, the final game, and of course the final at bat between Otani and Mike Trout. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, like in with regards to uh, international baseball, do you think that more sh- uh, more money and resources should go into the World Baseball Classic? Do they have something there, or is oh there- yeah. Yeah, because uh, like, oh, so you do think so? Because I was wondering if they should, uh, you know, halt the season like they do in hockey and put resources and uh, their star talent towards the Olympics. I mean, I think it's something to really be considered. I would say this is the not the first year that World Baseball Classic really kind of picked up some major steam, but I think more than ever this year, really 
it, I would say it, it seemed to really capture a lot of people and had a lot of people enthralled. And I found myself, you know, watching not every single game, but even ones that I would have never found myself interested in, like, I guess, random matchups. I really started getting into it and liked seeing this sort of way of finding global talent. And I think something that also helped with that is that you do have some of these major stars from like MLB going and playing for you know some of them it is their home country but then you have a few of them where like for example I know team Italy had a lot of kind of you know random MLB guys who had Mm -hmm. some sort of like Italian heritage same with like team UK all these different teams where it's not necessarily all about that but was something that was fun about it is it seemed like everybody really enjoyed representing a country and being part of that even to look at like Lars Newtbar representing Japan and that becoming a major thing him becoming a star there I think we really saw the benefits of it and part of that is then that you have all the players talking about it themselves and saying hey I really enjoyed it we really found this to be a really great experience even to like Trey Turner obviously had a really big outing in the world baseball classic and had a really great classic itself And even him, you know, kind of falling off after the fact and not having a great start with the Phillies, he still was there saying, you know, basically to the effect of I would do it again. Like, I don't think it really inhibited my performance. I don't think it had to relate to anything like that. Maybe it does suck to all of a sudden have something like that where the world sees just how good you are. But overall, it seemed like everybody had so many positive things to say. It increases the risk of injury, things like that. But it, I think it's a huge benefit for sports when you have the opportunity for countries to be represented on such a grand stage. All the hats I still see people wearing from so many different countries, not even to one that they necessarily have any connection to, correlation to. I thought about getting, I think, I forget which ones. I almost got a Team Canada hat. I have no connection to <laughs> Bless Canada. You. Bless yeah, you. <laughs> I'm not even, not even trying to like do that there, do be like that. But I was like, oh, this is sick. I almost got a Netherlands hat. Like, I don't know. There's so many things there that I think it just really helps out sports when you do have something on a grand stage. But I think we're still at the point where the Olympics are always going to kind of garner more national interest because it is, or international interest and national because it's that collecting everybody from every sport everybody's on that stage where other than I'd say the like FIFA World Cup where the other sports just aren't there yet but it doesn't mean that there shouldn't be money put into it time put into it and put any like you know invest in it in some way so what is the problem with the World Baseball Classic I mean uh, like I for one thought and obviously I don't have a medical background but (laughs) I was thinking that maybe the world baseball classic would be better in after the world series uh you know relatively speaking of course the uh, players who haven't played since early october maybe they're off for a little while but rather rather than uh, uh a month off now they're i mean sure they do train all year round but if you were to have it say uh towards the end of the uh like in november and so on uh, like our players still raring to go. That being said, I always keep hearing about injuries. Is it really so much just the pitchers that players are uh, that uh, baseball is worried about? Because it seems that an injury for a pitcher, they're going to be on the shelf for a while. 
Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I'll start because the main injury at this year's World Baseball Classic was Edwin Diaz, of course, on the Mets fan, so that was, a, that was a tough loss. That was yeah. I think, one of the big reasons the Mets unperformed besides a bunch of other reasons. But that's a different story for a different day. I I think the overall tournament is phenomenal. It's like the, the overall tournament that was some of the best baseball I've ever watched. The games were phenomenal. This players have come out and said they would rather win a World Baseball Classic than, than a World Series. Mm-hmm. Players have said that. But I think the timing is off because every single game is basically playoff baseball. So, uh, and I don't see how any pitcher, I don't care how good you are, is ready to get uh, basically out so you would be getting in October in March. Like, so the timing to me is really, really bad. So, so now you think, all right, where do we put it? No, you 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 can't put it in June because you're you you're not you can't take off during the season. The season's too long. It's not like hockey, which is only eighty two games, close to one hundred sixty two. I still don't think they should do. I think it's very stupid of them. But I also think that like the end of November is good. The one issue is that the NFL is going on at the same time, right. and just because of how many uh because of how much ratings they get i understand that but i i think the real baseball classic it's big enough where it i think it can compete with the nfl i know there's very few leagues and tournaments that can compete with the nfl even somewhat and i i think the real baseball classic is one of them so they should really put it at the end of november so even the players that play in the world series have a month or so off yeah. And, you know, the players that didn't make the playoffs have a, you know, there might be a little rusty, you know, maybe have like practice games or maybe something like that for a week to have, get their get, get their feet back on the room. And they'll have enough time before the spring training starts to where they won't risk injury. So I really think they should put it at like maybe end of November, maybe maybe right after Thanksgiving or something like that. They should start it. Hmm. Yeah, it would be yeah. interesting to see. Uh, sorry, Matt, did you have something to say? Yeah, I, I was actually going to agree with Jake. I think that if these players were still in conditional shape to play baseball, I think November would be perfect. You know, it's a little bit after the World Series, like you said, around Thanksgiving time. You know, the players would still be up for it. They wouldn't be, you know, just pushed into the spotlight early to play baseball for the for World Baseball Classic. And you mentioned that when Diaz, it happened right before the season, and then, unfortunately, he's now lost for the year. Mm-hmm. I think that really you got to prioritize scheduling is kind of important. And, you know, yeah, it's very hard to compete with the NFL in regards <laughs> to ratings. But like you said, this was the first time the World Baseball Classic gained notoriety, and particularly when Shohei Otani faced Mike Trout in the final at bat. And I know that baseball is never is not people's number one, but it's number one in a lot of people's minds because this was the America's pastime for a reason. And I think that it should be treated like that. And as far as like putting the World Baseball Classic in November, it really should. That's like the perfect day to do it. Now, the Olympics are a concern. We spoke about the Olympics for just a little bit. It's hard because I remember in the 2021 uh, Tokyo Olympics when we had the baseball season still going on and you had guys like Todd Frazier and Austin Wells and a couple other people who were has in baseball play uh, in the tournament. And they almost pulled off a gold medal. They won silver in the baseball tournament. But Imagine having guys like Aaron Judge and Shohei and Mike Trout and other guys for, who play for the USA during the baseball season. Now they'd have to take some time off and there probably has to be some repercussions for that. 
as far as team losing games are concerned, not being a 100% good product, but there should be some sort of line to draw to make mm-hmm. sure that the U.S. puts the best product out there for the Olympics because it seems like the Olympics is priority number one because it's a pride thing. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that's exactly it too with the World Baseball Classic and why we saw it, why it's, things like this are successful is because I think especially like Americans and being like, yes, like go America, go America, everything. Let me wear American hat, American flag. Let's put it everywhere. I think there's always that element of it too, but I completely agree with what you guys think about, you know, November time slate for something like that, especially too, because it is only every three to four years. You're not having it be something where it's like, you're doing this every year. You're worried about guys getting strained that way. It works out that for all the reasons you said, you can avoid those preseason injuries or give guys enough time to come back from it if that's a concern. But I do think the Olympics is a really tricky thing because again, you, you want to see it be successful. You want to see these guys be good, but then you have a lot of them too, that are concerned about getting to a world series, putting their team in a good spot. And even if it is, you know, in the summer, you're winding down to that and it'd be something where I feel like you'd have to see maybe Manfred kind of like push something in there and maybe you'd have to like adjust the season somehow, which I don't know if I'd ever expect that to happen because you can't halt baseball, but I don't know. I think it does raise a really interesting point because what, what guys are you going to be putting out there on the field if they're not your top stars? Because you want to get interest. You want to show people that, you know, we have all these really talented Americans who play baseball, but are you going to really be able to get guys away from their team? Are you going to have managers be okay with that? You know, it's a lot of, it raises a lot of, a lot of concerns, a lot of problems. Well, and uh, from my perspective as a Canadian, uh, they're uh, like the bottom end of that roster it is a real struggle to put any sort of professional talent on there. I mean, uh, not this uh, past uh, uh, classic, but the one before that, Eric Gagne was on the team and he was retired for so, uh, like a couple of years, uh, you know, from the major leagues. And there were a lot of uh, minor leaguers on the uh, the Canadian roster. Uh, you know, you mentioned, uh, Lily, about the... Uh, about the apparel from the world baseball classic i gotta tell you that white usa jersey is so sleek i'm uh it's a iconic. big jersey oh it, it, it's just wonderful i mean like that uh i mean like i'm a big jersey uh guy and uh i mean it's uh, such a huge conflict of interest interest for me as i mean wearing a usa jersey i mean but i mean that uh shirt is just so sleek that being said when uh, Adam Jones made that catch against Machado uh, in the in uh, San Diego at Petco. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I would have thought that the uh, classic was going to um, uh, be around and that it would garner a lot more interest. And it seemed like it was the same, you know, uh, turn of events where as it got closer and closer to the uh, championship game, like uh, this past season, uh, like this past World Baseball Classic, that uh, more and more fans were getting into it. And all corners of the globe do have uh, a great representation of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. I, that's where, again, I think it's something that it's good for baseball. Things like this are just good for baseball as a whole. And again, letting guys to like represent other teams, it raises, a, even just in a simple way, it brings up a lot of conversations of people going like, 
talking about these teams are unbeatable. This is like a ridiculous lineup. It's a ridiculous roster. And then at the same time, you get to kind of watch these guys in a new light when you're looking at the baseball season where maybe traditionally I wouldn't pay attention to a few of these guys because maybe they're not in a team I care about or want to watch. But now it opens up a new door where I'm going, hey, these actually are some like really good games. These are fun players. They're really talented. I might try to keep some tabs on him. I think it just like raises a lot of, it does a lot of good for the sport. And again, I mean, they're selling, they sold a lot of apparel uh, that always helps. And like I said, I saw my coworker wearing uh, the like team Puerto Rico. Um, I think that was it. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hat. And I was like, I haven't thought about that in a second, but it kind of immediately made me excited again about it even and like thinking about a lot of the effects of it obviously too I think the Cubs played um the Phillies and the Brewers like within pretty and the Phillies played the Brewers in pretty short short uh succession and I was reminded too about Trey Turner doing so well having these big moments but I think it'll be interesting to see in the future like the next classic if there's any changes if they kind of figure out a better formula to just continue to improve it and make it even better for fans and for you know anybody else watching because I think you have a lot of casual people like fans turning it on I don't care about soccer but for example too the world cup I'm like I'm willing to just pop a game on I'm willing to put it on watch it see what's happening especially if it's team USA I don't like I'm not that invested but at the same time it gets exciting and it's fun to see how you're sharing something with a global community that you might not always get when you're just watching you know a traditional baseball game Hmm. Yeah. And, uh, well, at least if, uh, for the next uh, world baseball classic, which, uh, I guess will be in 27, hopefully they could do something about the team Canada Jersey, because I tell you that Jersey is absolutely hideous, but, uh, I digress, <laughs> but, not uh, your favorite. no, no, it's not. I did uh, purchase the team Canada hat and I did go to USA Venezuela in 2009 wow. when it was in Toronto. And I got to tell you, like uh, the Venezuelans uh, uh, that came, like as soon as that first pitch was thrown, the drums were going, they were going ballistic, you know, just the chanting. And it was, it was amazing. Now, you, you know, uh, it uh, didn't, uh, it was like a quarter filled, uh, mm-hmm. which was a, a shame. But actually in that 09 tournament, uh, Canada and USA played and the US won and apparently it was like one of the most raucous crowds uh, for a ball game. And I mean, there's definitely something, uh, something there. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, there's definitely something that could be done with that team Canada Jersey. Like I said, ugh, terrible. I actually liked it. I won't, I don't know what? how the, the Jersey feel any better, but I did actually <laughs> like it. Okay. That makes one of us, but <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that being said, folks, why don't we uh, get into some major league baseball and uh, the, uh, Felt like it was just yesterday where the uh, Major League Baseball uh, started its uh, regular season. And a couple of weeks from now, uh, they will be starting uh, the playoffs. And uh, Matt, I guess uh, with regards to uh, the teams that we love, you and I are bitter rivals. Of course, I'm uh, uh, loyal to my Toronto Blue Jays and you are uh, a fan of the evil empire. Of course, the, uh, the New York Yankees. And as we are in the same division lo and mm-hmm. behold the uh top of the penthouse is the baltimore orioles i mean 
Matt, like, uh, how in the world did this happen? I mean, like, were you surprised uh, that Baltimore is having the year that they're having? You know, it's funny because I have said this on a couple of shows that I do, and um, the Baltimore Orioles have probably one of the greatest turnarounds in the history of Major League Baseball. This was a ball club that in 2021 lost 110 games, and then they went above 500 the next year, 83 and 79. And now look at them. They're the top team in the American League. And you got to give credit to Brandon Hyde and general manager Mike Elias for really keeping their head down and making sure that they're giving their young core a chance to see what they could do. And what they're doing right now, you got guys like Adley Rushman, Cedric Mullins, and Gunnar Henderson, who's probably going to be rookie of the year this year. Uh, this this was a team that was turbulent the last few years, like late Buck Showalter, early Brandon Hyde. It was a very turbulent time. And they averaged 100 losses a season. And even in the 2020 season where they – Played only 60 games. They were 25 and 35. If you do the math, 2.7 times 60 games, that's 162. Uh, that's still 95 losses. There's still, like, it's still close to 100 losses. That's not really exactly what you're looking for. And I've gone to a couple of Baltimore Orioles games to see the Yankees play them. And the atmosphere was just dead for a long time. But that enthusiasm is now back. And you really got to think that maybe getting rid of guys like Trey Mantini and giving the kids a chance to play really gave Baltimore a sense of confidence that, hey, maybe we got something special here. And I can't believe I'm saying this. Like, they clinched the playoff spot with the Rays after that four-game set over the weekend. They might be in the driver's seat to win the American League because they might be the youngest and one of the most inexperienced, but they got really good pitching, very solid hitting. Their closing pitching, their bullpen is solid. And honestly, like you got the Rays team that collapsed after a hot start. You got teams like the Rangers and the Astros and the Mariners who were in a dog fight to win a division. And then you got the leader of the AL Central, which is probably going to be the Minnesota Twins, which is a crapshoot. You don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> so I think Baltimore, like, they got something going. Now, if they go to the World Series, right, they're going to win? Maybe. But I, I love what this team is putting together. And it's awesome to watch. I mean, Lily uh, and uh, Matt was alluding to it that uh, they are a very young team, the Orioles, and uh, they were well represented in the uh, past All-Star game. Austin Hayes, Batista, Yinyar Cano, Rushman. Uh, but they have yet to experience playoff ball. And with all things considered, I mean, this is a very young squad. Do you think playoff experience means anything in baseball? I think this is a... Uh it's a tough answer because I will say, I think it definitely does. And I think it does mean something for any team having some guys on there who know what it's like to you're playing in these high leverage, big games, you know, game after game after game, everyone matters. Everyone is important. Every at bat, every pitch. And I think going through, let's say too, if you're going for like a playoff run, you're going planning on getting the world series, you know, that's obviously your end goal. If you know what it's like to, get through that and go through these really high leverage initial series going through like a divisional series then to a championship series and you know what it's like to be putting in that much like just you know I mean again typical effort of a normal baseball game but then also your adrenaline's at an all-time high you're playing on a different stage I think those moments is when that playoff experience can be really helpful also just you know knowing how to relax and like reset your body the right way keep in a good spot mentally things like that having experience is always going to be helpful but I think for a team like them and just being so young I think they have a lot of upside there 
in that, of course, it would be helpful. It would be really good for them to, you know, maybe have somebody there, somebody on the team who knows what it's like to get through that and give advice of saying like, hey, don't go too hot right away. Or, you know, just kind of telling them to like stay level headed, stay with it. But at the same time, they've been succeeding by just being themselves and by just being this young team who's really putting in their best effort. I don't want to say all the time, every game, but there's these guys that are just trying hard because they think they know how much is on the line being a young player and just needing to show that you can do it and that you're trying to kind of prove yourself. And they've all been doing it really well. And some of them too, I think also what's interesting about them is a lot of them don't have as much minor league experience as you might also find from other teams. Cause a lot of these guys get drafted. They're maybe in the minors for a year and then they bring them right up. So there's moments like that too, that, you know, could be a little bit scary for the Orioles, but it seems like they have a lot of the right things of getting hot at the right time and having good team chemistry. And they're also good players. There's just a lot of good athletes on that team. And I think there is a chance we could maybe see them get a little fatigued or deal with some of that, but I completely agree with Matt. I think they're kind of in the driver's seat right now. They're leading the pack and for them, I think if they kind of, if they can continue to keep energy at a high, seem like, and just say that they want to go out and get it, it's going to be good. And like I mentioned, I've said this before in other case scenarios, and I always think it's the truth. The most important thing for a playoff run is getting hot at the right time and winning at the right time, because if it means everything, I think if you look at some of the most successful teams in like the past three or four years, a lot of it is like that Red Sox team in 2018. Uh, the Nationals in 2019 are a perfect example of just getting hot at the right time and making it work. And even to the, even though the Phillies didn't win the World Series, they did the exact same thing. They were a special team. I think it's at the end, they just got beat. But that's where I think we could see something like this happen again with the Orioles. But in a way, I think they're better than some of those other teams and have kind of shown that they have a lot going on. I think it would be helpful, you know, maybe if there were a couple more veterans on that team, but at the same time, that also might kind of squash these young guys and not give them the chance that they need or deserve to really show off. So I think it's sort of, you know, it's something that we're not going to know until we actually see it, which is a kind of a cop-out answer, but I think it's the truth with them. I think it's really the truth with this team. And I still think they have that bit of magic that might make it work and that might give them what they need to get over there over that hump and just fly fly through the postseason well and uh, you know you're talking about uh you know maybe it might make a difference playoff experience maybe it won't i mean minnesota what kind of history do uh do they have i mean uh boston and new york they're not going to be uh seeing the uh, postseason and other than maybe the houston astros i mean is there really a team uh that has that playoff pedigree uh it uh will be exciting to see and uh jake uh as uh, matt and lily uh, uh mentioned of uh who brought them there uh who's going to take them there uh who uh, who do you think uh is key for baltimore to uh have a deep run uh in uh this upcoming playoff season I think a big X factor is going to be John Means. They just got him back. He had a long recovery from Tommy John. He only made one star, went five innings in his first star. Obviously, didn't want to push him too far, but I think they're a piece. I think they're a piece away, Baltimore. I do. You know, I'll have him going to the World Series. To me, it's 
I, I think Houston comes out of the American League. My, my, my reasoning is someone needs to beat them until I see it. I'm, I, I don't believe it. I just don't. But uh, I think both of them are a piece away. But you look at the rotation. Kyle Bradish has been, been really good this year. He's got like a 3-1-2 ERA. The rest of the rotation is fine. But you got, you know, Dean Kramer has been decent. He's been fine this year. But he hasn't done anything special. Kyle Gibson hasn't been great. Flaherty hasn't been a good pickup. I think might be somebody else I'm, I, I'm forgetting in their rotation. But if Means can get stretched out in time for the playoffs and be the guy that he's been in the last couple of years before the injury, you put him at the top with uh, Kyle Bradish and you have Dean Kremer as your number three, uh, that's a really good rotation to go along with a, with a really good lineup. What I think people are missing is that Felix Bautista might not be available for the playoffs. He's been out for a while. And he's, my, he's maybe the best reliever in the American League this year. They still have a good bullpen. Yemi Cano has been phenomenal. They have, uh, you know, uh, Brian Baker in that bullpen. They have, they have a lot of good arms. It's not, it's not just one guy. They still have a good bullpen, but just inexperience. You know, I still have some questions about the rotation and not having maybe the best reliever in in the American League hurts. But like I said, I think if John Means is can get stretched out and be effective, that gives the rotation a big boost to a rotation that might have a shorthanded bullpen. Yeah, could they be a laughing stock uh, 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 only as recent as a couple years ago to a potential World Series favorite? Definitely seems to be that way for for Baltimore. Staying with the AL East and uh, a definite thorn in uh, my side as a Blue Jays fan, I'm assuming the same for Matt, is the Tampa Bay Rays. You know, Lily, I can remember all those years ago, the second game of Tampa's franchise was not even close to being a sellout. They have played in, oh my God, why am I blanking on that? A Tropicana field is, a, I'm, I'm assuming it's uh, called something else now. I like, I no, mean, it's a trop. It's a trop. It, it's still a trop. Okay. I'm, yeah. I mean, like the, the stadium is just absolutely forgettable, but the team just keeps on doing it. Please explain to me how. So the Rays are actually probably, I would say, my second favorite team in baseball. Um, a lot of it, well, <laughs> a lot of it does have to come, a lot of it comes down to that it seems like the Brewers and the Rays just make a lot of trades all the time. They pick up each other's guys. There's a lot of like familiarity for me with the Rays team. And that's something why, like a reason why I always like them. But another part of it is I think when I do watch their games, they do kind of tend to remind me a lot of my brew crew in that they just, a lot of times, you know, there might be mistakes made things. They might not look like the best team. They might not look like the best team on paper, especially, but they just managed to win and they just managed to keep things going, be consistent, make it to the playoffs. And I have been a staunch uh, supporter of them just because I, I think there's a lot of practices I don't like. I don't like a lot of their, you know, major organization of not wanting to pay players and, you know, kind of being really stingy on the cash, but it seems like there are so many things there that go right. And I think this goes for any sports and I, any sports team. And I did mention this already, <clears throat> sorry, but I think a lot of it does come down to chemistry and having this will to want to win and to kind of just show that they're worth it. And I think we've seen the Rays really like, I think Matt was the one that mentioned it earlier that they have really fallen off in that they started off really hot. And then now they're kind of, I don't want to say middle of the line, but they haven't been as impressive, but at the same time, they've been still just doing enough. 
And I think this is just something too, where it just comes down to wanting to win. And it's, you know, it sounds easy to say that and just say, well, yeah, of course, every team wants to win, but I think they have that drive to really want to get it done. They have good pitching. They tend to always at least have some guy kind of hiding in there that can come out there and do a good job, finish off a game, eat innings, whatever. Having Glasnow back is, I think, one of the biggest contributing factors, even if he's not doing well. Having a guy in there like that is really impressive, really helpful. Randy Rosarena is a really exciting young player, too, who has, you know, I think it's died off a little bit in terms of, like, Major League Baseball pointing at him being like, this is our guy. He's never (laughs) been fully that. You know, he was kind of that, like, postseason hero a couple of years ago, but he's still exciting. He's still fun. He still has this energy he brings. And even though the trop is in a terrible location, is kind of a terrible stadium that doesn't, you know, drive a lot of there. He, <laughs> listen, I'm not gonna, I can, I'm not gonna say too much, but it just seems like they are still at the, at the bare minimum doing the right things. You're not always going to have this huge flashy uh, middle of the season, uh, like trade deadline, pickups anything crazy going on that way but they're making all the right subtle moves and sometimes those little moves are more important than signing a guy to a 10-year 300 million dollar contract it's sometimes about just having the right guys in there having guys who are going to get the job done and somehow I think what they manage to do is they convince the guys or they're doing something that's saying hey you know what a lot of you here are on small deals we're kind of you know doing that money ball type of type of signings. Mm-hmm. Maybe that might seem to some guys like, you know, we're playing for a poverty franchise. We're playing for a cheap franchise, but they must be doing something that's convincing these players to say, Hey, I still want to win it for these fans. I still want to win it for these team for this team. I want to win it for my, for like my fellow players, things like that. I think just the fact that they managed to do all the little things, right. is always going to push them ahead. And even though Kevin cash had that big plunder with, uh, pulling Blake Snell uh, in that very famous postseason game. He still also is just a good manager. He gets the job done. It's something for me where I think sometimes they can seem like a total anomaly, but when you start to really look at the fine details of them and what they've done over the past three, four years, even longer than that, they're doing the little things right. And And I think that's going to always help them. And, uh, you know, you mentioned that, uh, that gaffe with cash and, uh, you know, uh, obviously, uh, Joe Madden had that long career with uh, Tampa and won the World Series finally for those Chicago Cubs. And uh, everybody was just uh, uh, in awe and uh, just uh, really uh, admired how Joe Madden coached. And I mean, uh, if you ask me, he barely won the World Series. I mean, he ran the bullpen into the ground in game seven. Uh, why, uh, Kyle Hendricks, was it, uh, pitched uh, game seven and just pulled him and Aroldis Chapman was just completely on gas. Anyway, I'm kind of like uh, going off topic here. But uh, yeah, those things, uh, I don't know. I'm still not a big believer of uh, all those analytics. I mean, maybe the three of you are a little differently because I mean, I'm a number of years older than uh, you three. And all those pitchers, uh, the starting pitchers, starting pitchers were starting pitchers. I mean, seven, eight innings was uh, more so the norm. And now it'd be uh, a lot more of uh it would be a lot more surprising uh these days and uh well i mean very quickly i mean like do you guys agree like do you believe in these analytics especially when it comes to pitchers i do uh, apologize to put you on the spot like this but uh you know uh 
do they have it right now with uh you know going by the statistics and pulling pitchers when they do pull pitchers these days I think it's a it's really fine line I think it's really important to look at statistics and look at like sabermetrics a lot of the events advanced stats things like that but I think what you see out of really good managers and successful managers is the one are the ones that do look at that, do look at those things, but also rely on feeling and are willing to say, you know what, in this moment we do, we're going to let you go longer. And of course, like Craig Council, uh, obviously I'm going to talk about my brewers here, but he, you know, might be taking some time off, might be leaving, we're going to see, but something that he has done as he's matured as a manager and has still stayed as successful, I would say, if not more successful is looking at situations and going, you know what, usually I would take let's say that uh the other day the Yankees uh where they're having the you know no hitter that they eventually lost I think early on in his career if Corbin Burns was doing that and was going that far in an outing which of course he was still at a good pitch count something that they felt comfortable with I think he would have yanked him in the seventh because he would have said this is our plan here's how we go into every game because this is what the statistics show and here's what they prove now as he's gotten I think more mature as a manager he's willing to say Sure, it would be a smarter decision to take you out, but I can tell we need to give you another shot. You need to go back in there at least for the eighth inning. I can't promise you more than that, but I think that's what a good manager does and good teams do is that you look at both the numbers and some of those advanced stats, but also go with your gut and go with your feeling because if you're just looking at numbers, you're not going to succeed. I think that you could on paper, but that's not where games are won. Games are won on the field. Yeah, I agree with that. I uh, I'm not saying don't use analytics. They certainly have it have their place, but uh, I also think there's gonna be times where you know if you need a big out and you have your ace on the mound, let's say, should you be taking them out because the numbers say you know oh when they get to a certain pitch count they shouldn't you should be taken out or some sort of matchup thing like should that be like, for example, we used to talk about Blake Snell. I mean, I know that's the race style, but he was dominating. This, he had, like, he had, you know, like, two base runners and five and a third. He had, like, 70-something pitches. He had, like, nine strikeouts. And then Kevin Cash takes him out, and we all know what happened then. Like, you could arguably call some World Series. Of course, they could have ended up losing game seven. They could have lost game seven. Or they had, like, could have lost game six. Maybe he goes eight innings and both balls in the ninth. We all know. But they, you know, would have had a much easier time winning the World Series if they kept him in, you know. So it certainly has its place. But Randy, back to your point of like, should we have, should do I agree with the pitchers coming out earlier? I'm not saying you should like just overwork your pitchers. We've seen some starting pitchers who have been heavily worked. Eventually have a lot of arm problems. Jacob DeGrom, Corey Kluber is, is another one. Chris Sale is another one. That being said, um, every player is different. Certain guys are, you know, your guys like Max Scherzer before he fell off this year, a guy, you know, you know, your, your Garrett Coles, those guys, you know, your Joey Otani's, those guys are seven, you know, guys who can constantly give you six, seven innings every time out there. And then they're your guys, you know, who are more like innings, innings eaters, you know, the innings in the back of the rotation who are only going to give you five or six innings. So everyone's different. I really think like, Going at you, I think going into every game with a plan, this guy 
he's giving me seven when something goes wrong. He's giving me five when something goes wrong. I don't think that should be the case. If a guy... Well, you know, Jake, five... uh, Jake, sorry to interrupt here, but, you know, you were talking about arm problems and so on, and I'd be remiss uh, to not mention, and, of course, uh, you uh, are definitely well aware of, how many more Tommy John surgeries are we talking about here? I, you know, yeah. came from Greg Maddox and Tom Clavin, and, uh, you know, you could think about all the Tom... Tommy John surgeries that took place in the 80s and 90s, uh, you know, it's happening so much more now. And I am a believer of sports science. Forgive me. I do think that there is value to when Kawhi Leonard uh, did load management for the Toronto Raptors. It got him the championship. And, you know, uh, if they had load management way back when in the 60s and 70s, could Bobby Orr have had a longer career? I don't know. None of us know. But I mean, like, it just seems that, uh, and then I was talking about in the beginning, that if you have an elbow or an arm problem with a pitcher, like, I'm putting money on the fact that they're going to be shut down for months. Yeah, with Tommy, with the Tommy Johns, I, I actually have an interesting take here. I think... People always put it on, oh, you know, the, you know, they overused them. I don't think that's always the case. I think actually when you pull these pitchers after, you know, a little sh bit shorter than they should go, I think that actually hurts them in a way because if you got these guys who, you know, they're trained to just, you know, go out there and throw every, every fifth day, throw a hundred pitches, give you six, seven innings, and you're pulling them after five innings and 80 pitches a lot, I think that actually hurts them in a way so i so that, that's kind of what i disagree of why pitchers are being pulled so early. also your that taxes your bullpen a lot and if you want to win a world series well you need a bullpen i think that's actually i'm, I'm not sure if matt will agree with this or not because you're a yankee fan i'm gonna mention, mention the yankees one of the reasons i think aaron moon is a title manager because in the <laughs> first half of the season he overworks his bullpen just he runs his bullpen into the ground he pulls starting pitches so early and then he wonders, wait, why is my, in August, why is my entire bullpen hurt? Because you made them go four innings every single day for the first 90 games of the season. So I really think starting, you should try to get the most out of your starting pitchers as possible. I, re I really do. So I think pulling these guys early actually might actually pop a little bit be leading to some of these, sir. I think that's actually part of the problem. All right, I feel like I gotta say something about that. First off, no other manager manages baseball is worse than Aaron Boone with analytics. That's all. That's the number one thing I'm gonna say about that. That's number one. Number two, the whole go with your gut philosophy is really how you should. Be, listen, I'm a big mathematics guy. I'm all about data and analytics and statistics. I'm all about that. But I agree, you gotta go with your gut sometimes, and you gotta go with the matchup that that favors you. But if you just completely put your head with numbers and not go with what's in your heart. It's going to kill you. And Aaron Boone, time after time after time again, has just gone straight to the numbers. It's not been based on, okay, I believe that this pitch is going – it's never been like, okay, uh, Michael King's going to give me a solid two innings. It's going to be, okay, Michael King's going to give me one inning because I know he's good at that. It's most – and then when Clay Holmes comes in, well, here's how bad Aaron Boone is. We don't have a definitive closer. So – He'll go with a matchup based on his top, based on the next three batters coming up because he wants to go with the pitcher that can get through those three batters based on their batting average and what they hit, what their best pitches are, what their strengths and weaknesses are. 
So that's really the problem with a guy like Aaron Boone. Then there are other managers who are just smarter, who will just say, screw screw this. I like what this is telling me. I'm going to go with it, but also I trust my players. When you're giving a guy five or four innings per outing and you tax your bullpen the way Aaron Boone does, it just makes you scratch your head like, what's he doing? And I know we're going to get into the Yankees for a second. I'm trying not to go on a rant here because I got that later on, I'm assuming. But, <laughs> like, you got to be able to be smarter. Work, there's a phrase that my father told me, work smarter, not harder. And that's what some of these managers got to do. Work smarter, not harder. Definitely words to live by. I mean, Lily, have you ever seen a Yankee fan and a Met fan agree with each other? I mean, like, this is wild. Pretty seldom. Pretty seldom. Uh, <laughs> unless I feel like the only other time I've seen that happen is if both teams are doing terribly. And that's something where they can go like, hey, at least, right we're, both, like, at least we're both at least we're both in this situation. Yeah, but. It's pretty, you know, pretty crazy when you can get them get them on the same page. Well, you know what? That's what we do here at What's Up the Sports Podcast. <laughs> I mean, like it's all it's all love. It's all love here. That's what I try to uh, emulate here. But you know, very quickly uh, before we get off the Rays, and uh, I I mentioned about how uh, they struggle so much, and the the, uh, the fan support, at least in the stadium, is uh, quite poor. You know, in my neck of the woods, there has been talk of potentially the Tampa Rays, uh, you know, moving, maybe even moving to Montreal. Uh, I mean, I think that's very romantic. I mean, but I don't think it's really feasible. I mean, uh, the Olympic Stadium is still the main stadium for the city of Montreal, and a new stadium would have to be built uh, closer to downtown, which the big O isn't. I mean, Maddie, I, uh, what do you... I mean, yeah, sure, the Rays have been there 30 years, and they have a great program, but the the stadium is what it is, and it doesn't really seem like the, that Tampa is really inclined to build a new park. Do you think that we could see, like the Oakland Athletics, Tampa uh, hitting the road? Well, it's funny because I actually saw a report from ESPN that the Tampa Bay Rays are indeed building a new stadium. It's going to be officially mm. announced tomorrow. The stadium's going to be a $1.2 billion stadium. It's going to come to Tampa in 2028 in St. Petersburg. So that's where the situation is right now. As far I'm sorry, as that, I'm, that, is that official? or Yeah, the, that's official. that was announced earlier to that, yeah. You're kidding. Okay. Please, Maddie, Tampa Bay Times. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, that's what happens when you uh, watch sports uh, here in Canada, like we're still talking about <laughs> hockey too much. So uh, this is all this is all Japanese. This is all foreign. Uh, educate me, Maddie. <laughs> yeah. Um. So to continue on, um, before the report came out, I was thinking that this was going to be the end of the road for the Rays in Tampa because the relationship between the fans and the team is just so sour. I mean, fans don't go to the games. Tropicana is what it is, like you said before. The team does great. They almost won a World Series. On two occasions, they almost won a World Series. And the fans just don't come in. I mean, this season with Randy Land, that was the first time the Rays were actually relevant and actually had some type of – or close to a sellout with Randy Land on Friday nights in Tampa. But the I don't know what could be – like, it's a 30,000-seat venue, $1.2 billion. We got only five years for this. I mean, that's – is that really going to do anything to repair the relationship? Are fans going to come to St. Petersburg and attend the games? Are the Rays going to be good by then? I mean, there's just a lot of things up in the air. And unfortunately, 
like I said before, you got to wait five years. Uh, it's just a rough relationship. And I really hope that things get better because the Rays deserve much better from their fans and they deserve much better from the state of Florida than they've unfortunately gotten. Well, you know, uh, it's it's funny because uh, and I think Lily could attest uh, to and uh, I uh, forgive me because I don't know if you were too young to remember County Stadium to Miller Park, but it was uh, I mean, County Stadium to Miller Park was a lot similar to Exhibition Stadium here in Toronto to now Rogers Center today because Exhibition Stadium, it was a it was an absolute dump. Please Google it and have a you know puke bucket nearby it was it was <laughs> it was disgusting but they had this uh uh architectural marvel with a retractable roof stadium of course this was 1989 and uh this was so foreign uh you know especially in major league parks and i i remember county stadium and i mean it wasn't really uh uh something to uh you know it, it was it was a, a rather bare bones uh barn you didn't write and, home about it yeah yeah i mean it did seem, Lily. I mean, uh, yeah, sure. Milwaukee did have some lean years uh, 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 since moving to Miller Park. Things are uh, a little bit different these days, but uh, it did seem that it did rejuvenate Brewers fans because it sure, uh, like a new park really did help uh, Blue Jays fans in my city. Yeah. So I was, I think, like, just born i think around when they mm. constructed it so I, I don't have memories of county stadium but you'll always talk to people who do and i think a big part of it is it did feel like it was a older era of the brewers especially as a really young team i think you're going to kind of get that feeling of still you know searching for an identity wanting to try to find that um see what it could be who you are county stadium also had packer games there that was also the home right. of the braves at one point so you know the thing about Miller Park, what that really did, or American Family Field, if you will. Um, it brought this identity that this is just the Brewers and this is the Brewers' home. And I think it did kind of bring in this sort of new feeling for the team. The thing is, they didn't really start doing really well or have a couple of their really good years until about eight years after it was built. So, you know, there was still definitely something there where fans were probably waiting for something more to happen. And at the same time, I think something that maybe would be a little bit different than if they did build a new stadium for the Rays is that a lot of Brewers fans and a lot of people from Milwaukee had some sort of some sour feelings about it because of the whole taxing on the surrounding counties and um, areas around the field where that doesn't seem like it's probably going to be a problem for Tampa. The thing for me with Tampa where I think they really have the opportunity to make amends with the fans and make it better is it not being in St. Pete's I think this is the thing that everybody has talked about maybe not everybody but a lot of people have where like again the trap is not great but a lot of the problems for it is that people have said it's inaccessible it's hard to get to it's not in a good location it's not that people don't want to go to games or anything like that. It's that it's in a really difficult area for them to go to get to. They're going like an hour out of the way. It's not something where you want to spend all that time, you know, just going to one game. Like if it's a lot easier to get to, if it's around things in like downtown Tampa, you're going to be a lot more willing to go check it out, see what's happening. Uh, I think that's something too with, we'll probably get into it a little bit too about the fate of American Family Field, what's going on there. 
But even there, there's not that much around it, but it doesn't take that long to get to the city. It takes about five to 10 minutes to drive into downtown Milwaukee from American Family Field. Mm. Tampa, for the TROP, it's a lot harder to get all the way to downtown Tampa. So I think it's a great idea to build a really fantastic new stadium, have a great place for them to play for years to come. But at the same time, if you're going to pick another terrible location, what good are you doing then? I don't know. That's where kind of, I think a lot of my feelings lie. Yeah. I, I kind of agree. Uh, my dad lives in Tampa. He's lived there for three years. He, he went down like right when I went to college and I, I started my senior year about, about three or four weeks ago and the stadium, there's so much around that he's, he's close to that. That's cool. I, I believe the Yankees, like maybe their spring, spring train facility, I think is down there. It's very close to his house. Uh, the University of Tampa, the the school where, where he actually went to college, uh, is very close to where he lives. There's a lot around him. You know, downtown Tampa is not far from him. I we have never passed the stadium, and we've I've driven around Tampa with him a lot because I've been going down there, you know, for the holidays for three for three or four years now. Not once have we even sniffed going there. Like you guys mentioned, it's not in a good location. You know, it's it's just out of the way. Like it's it's one thing like if like the Mets play in New York City like all right you know you're expected to, for me live in Long Island you have to drive into the city like that's something that's expected, but people that live in Tampa and they see the, and they hear you know the stadiums in Tampa you know they're thinking oh this is probably right down the street and it's not it's so out of the way it, it it's very it's very just it's not convenient at all, and you know it's a shame because the Rays have been one of the best teams in the league for probably five or six years now I know we already alluded to that and they really their attendance rates, I don't have them in front of me, but they're just by using, just observing, they're not good. And it, it's really a shame. So, you know, they're going to be playing in St. Pete. That That's basically a, a puddle jump. My dad drives to pay St. Pete all the time. It's not far. That's, like I said, it's basically just going like this. So it's not, <laughs> I don't know how much, to, I don't know how much it's going to do. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, hope, I mean, I hope for their sake it, it works, but I, I just don't know. Yeah, I, but I, I think that uh, it does make a difference, especially you're thinking about 81 games a year. You're thinking, I mean, playoffs. Uh, yeah, sure. There's a lot more uh, excitement and juice to want to get into uh, a playoff baseball uh, sporting event period. But, uh, you know, when you're in the dog days of summer and you're indoors and uh, the Rays are playing, you know, Kansas City or a team that you don't really have much of a relationship with, then, uh, you know, there may not be that desire. Like uh, for uh, my perspective around here, uh, you know, I'm nowhere close to Ottawa, but uh, where the Senators play, it's like 45 minutes outside of uh, downtown. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, hey, obviously uh, hockey is uh, is uh, the ultimate uh, sport in my country. And uh they 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 have a hard time selling out. So I think it definitely does make a difference. It'll be interesting to see. Interesting to see. I mean, Lily, of course, we were talking about the Brewers there, and they have a comfortable lead. It's just a matter of time before they uh, clinch uh, the, uh, the Central. Uh, yes, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, do they, uh, uh, with regards to uh, the postseason, uh, mm-hmm. how confident are you? I think so. I've been watching, uh, I mentioned earlier before the call, I do work uh, for the Cubs network, Marquee Sports Network, and I do watch a lot of Cubs baseball. Um, I watch, 
I've been watching, I think, a lot of games that I wouldn't have paid attention to otherwise. And I'm seeing, too, a lot of the National League. Uh, Brewers also just play, or are going to be playing the Marlins again soon, just played the Marlins. Cubs just played the Diamondbacks. And I think I've been getting a chance to kind of see a lot of these games um, and pay more attention to them, see what the chances are looking like. For the Brewers, um, they are, their magic number is down to seven, which is really exciting. And somebody did point out, too, that even though, you know, it still seems like that's a lot to a long way to go. Someone pointed out the records that even if it's like, even if they have a pretty abysmal record coming up, the chances of them clinching at least the NL Central is really high still. So they're still in a good spot, but I think they're a team that isn't perfect. I think there's a lot there that hasn't necessarily been going right. Uh, I complained a lot about when they lost to the <laughs> Yankees in that, you know, having a no hitter going through 10 innings and then losing that is brutal. I think that's a huge confidence. <laughs> uh, you know, it's really going to take away for your confidence, everything you've had going on. But ever since then, and even right before that, they were going in and competing and winning games. And I think they have the right rookies up right now. I think they have a lot of the right pieces in their pitchers have all been, peaking right now freddie peralta has been phenomenal corbin burns has been phenomenal brandon woodruff is back and has been absolutely crushing it had that complete game shut out the other day and i think what i've noticed about them let's say compared to the diamondbacks i think the brewers seem like a lot more of a complete team and just seem to have a lot of the right pieces going together where when i was watching the diamondbacks play i was confused the entire time i didn't understand how they had been winning games like they had been other than maybe again like Zach Gallen or Merrill Kelly, a lot of it, it seemed like they were coming down to lucky situations. And I think too, a lot of luck, a lot of baseball and a lot of success in baseball does come down to luck. That's always going to be something that drives you. It's those intangible things, but, and I think the Brewers have had a lot of that too. They've won a lot of one game, uh, one run games, things like that. But at the same time, when I'm watching them, it just seems like they have a lot more cool. It seems like they have a lot more figured out. Mark Canna was a phenomenal pickup for them, and he's been doing a great job. Even Carlos Santana hasn't been the most consistent, but he's been really picking up and doing a great job when he can. There's rumors that Garrett Mitchell might be coming back uh, for the postseason, and he is such a spark plug for that team. Sal Frelick, bringing him up, was a great option. He's a contact hitter. He always just does what he can to get on base and plays with a level of poise and professionalism that you just want and expect out of a kid. And I think just looking at them, it just seems like they are fairly put together and especially how they've been over the last maybe 15 games. It seems like they've really elevated that. A lot of it has to do with Craig Council. Um, I think the way he manages a team, he owns up to his mistakes, but also tends to do a lot of things right. To me, I I don't know if this is a World Series year, uh, but what they've done is they've been consistent the whole season. They had a tough losing streak um, in the middle of the year, but other than that, it's been pretty consistent. A couple of losses here and there, winning your series is getting through it. They were swept by the Dodgers, but after that have just been lights out. So I don't necessarily know how far I expect them to go, but I think they're in a good spot to finish off the season. The Cardinals might be, trying to play spoiler ball here, which is a little scary with the amount, I think the Brewers faced them um, seven times uh, over the last uh, last couple of games or so, last few weeks of baseball in the regular season. But I like their chances. I think if they can stay hot, 
through the end of the, out of the season, they're going to be in a good spot facing the Braves and the Dodgers might be an impossible task uh, once they really get into it. But I think if they can have that sort of scrappiness level of Brewers magic and just find a way to win, that's going to really help them. Um, but I'm going to say, I, I really can't be, I can't be too confident, but I do like how they appear compared to some other teams that they are going to be likely to face. It's just that the juggernauts right now in, in the NL are going to make it really hard. Uh, so we'll have to see, we'll have to see what happens, but I do like their odds. I would like to see them do well in the postseason too, just to hopefully solidify their solidify, you know, the government um, and officials wanting to pay for the stadium upgrades and make sure that they do indeed stay in Milwaukee. Um, but I'm ready for some postseason baseball. American Family Field, I haven't been to a postseason game. But if you ever see videos, if you see games, game footage there, it is packed. It sure. is packed. Everyone is excited. People really love their brewers and they love the brewers doing well. So we'll see what happens. But I think that they've really ironed out a lot of the kinks and have a good shot to at least at least fight. At least fight for a decent playoff run. I'll, oh, I'll get yeah. I'll say that. I'll say decent. That's where I'm gonna leave leave it. Well, and I mean, obviously, Atlanta is having such an incredible year, and the Dodgers did win the World Series, albeit in the COVID year. But uh, I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a little bit jaded and skewed because Atlanta did uh, have that incredible run in the '90s where uh, they kept on making World Series, and they only ended up with one. And then, mm -hmm. of course, I mean, this current uh, recent World Series a couple years ago aside. And then Clayton Kershaw, I mean, I think he still has that label of uh, being a flop. And like, I mean, like, uh, what kind of Dodgers team are you going to get? I mean, like you had mentioned yourself, Lily, that um, all of those teams uh, that, uh, you know, came out of nowhere, had, got hot at the right time. I'm thinking of the uh, St. Louis Cardinals when they won in 2011. And uh, they were like, I think they were barely above 500. And uh, they... Uh, beat Texas in that incredible uh, comeback with David Freeze. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, hey, you got you get uh, you get a ticket to the show, and uh, anything is possible. Uh, you got to make it count. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, uh, Maddie, with all due respect, I mean, uh, one team who's uh, probably not going to make it to the show is the New York Yankees. And I, 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 I you know, Maddie, I, I got love for you, my man. But I mean, it is one of those years, and uh, I mean, you are the first one to admit it. Uh, along with the Boston Red Sox. I mean, uh, this is something that we don't really see too often. Uh, Boston and New York at the bottom of the AL East. I mean, that being said, there are Boston and the New York Yankees. I mean, do you think that uh, this kind of futility will last for years on end? Well, the Red Sox already started by firing their chief baseball officer, Shane <laughs> Bloom. They just did that. So the the... The, the reels are already starting to fall off. I think Alex Cora will be next if the Red Sox don't turn around next year. And then as for the Yankees, I'm just... <sighs> yeah. <laughs> but first off, I, I do want to say, Randy, that our teams are going to be playing each other six of the final 12 games. So there's that. And then I also am going to say this. I think Jake said this one time, and I completely agree with him on the Discord for 
um, color cast. If the Yankees end up having a losing season, all of Major League Baseball is going to be thrown apart because the Yankees have not had a losing season since 1992. And it's been 31 years. And every time the Yankees get something positive going, something seems to go wrong. Domingo Herman has a perfect game out of Major League Baseball because of something bad that happened outside, outside the field. Jason Dominguez, four home runs in his first seven games, gets injured. It, it just seems like Josh Dolphin's inconsistencies, Stanton's inconsistencies, Aaron Judge's injury in June. It just seems like one thing after another, the wheels just keep coming off. And then we had to rely on guys like Billy McKinney and Jake Bowers, who, by the way, you can't get a Jake Bowers autograph without paying $300. It's just gotten to the point where it's just like, why? Sorry. Yeah, I'm serious. So, uh, again, Canadian sports uh, consumer, like, uh, can you uh, sort of clarify? <laughs> like, so, what? so let me just explain what happened. So I went to a Jake Bowers event in near where I am in New Jersey, and ah. he was there. And they were charging you, I think, three hundred bucks for uh, to get his autograph. And that was the one thing. Yeah, I know it's a head scratcher, but anyway, um, just the amount of stuff that's gone on with the Yankees. I'm trying to be professional here. Uh, it's, just, it, it's just been one of those things where it's just like it's disappointing because this was a team that started 56 and 20 last season in the middle in the first half of last season and then all of a sudden they just the wheels just came off midway through last season and then the playoffs they got swept by the Astros in the ALCS and then on top of that they stop they come into the new era Garrett Cole gets hot and boom, like things just come off. Like every time you think something's good's gonna happen, they just hit you with something that's unexpected, or they hit you with something that's bad. And you know, getting rid of Josh Donaldson for all things for all intents and purposes, that was the best thing that they could have done. They gave the kids a chance to play. Uh, I do like what Anthony Volpe did bring in his rookie season. I think he's gonna be something a player to keep an eye on for the foreseeable future. I really hope that he does improve as time goes on. I actually got to meet him. He's actually a really good kid, Anthony Volpe. Um, my cousins, my cousin got to play with a relative of his, and I got to meet Anthony. He's a really good guy, and I'm right hoping on. that he um, continues to progress. He had 2020 season this year, you know, 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases. He started off hot. Things just kind of cooled off a little bit. But again, like there's a bunch of questions going on. Like, do you fire Aaron Boone? Do you fire Brian Cashman because of what they did the trade deadline was just head scratching. You know, you get Kenya Middleton and you don't really improve your offense. It's just, it's just a lot. And, you know, as far as that goes, like, it's just very, very, <laughs> it's just very, very head scratching how a team that started 56 and 20 last year just flopped. And the, you know, the Boston Red Sox are concerned, you know, I would say that the downfall of this whole Boston Red Sox team was when they got rid of Mookie Betts because when Mookie Betts left the offense for the most part, left with him and they tried to replace him with Trevor story. Trevor story hasn't really been a, a positive point. And Raphael Devers is good. And they got a couple of guys that are trying like Jeter downs beat us one game last year. Like they, they have some good pieces in Boston, but when you get rid of your chief baseball officer and your manager is under hot water heading into next season, you got to figure that maybe the wheels are starting to come off in Boston. And this is the iconic rivalry uh, Brandy that we've talked about before. You know, and then we're not going to be seeing them in the playoffs. So it's, I don't know, moves have to be made on both ends. You know what? Uh, 
I, I still believe, uh, I think this is a situation where I can hold my breath because it's the Yankees and the Red Sox. I mean, these two uh, franchises print money and I just have every <laughs> reason to think that they're going to do something and turn it around. I mean, I don't know. Uh, you three could uh, educate me better in terms of their farm system. I mean, but I mean, yeah. Hey, let's call it right. I mean, between Boston and New York, could uh, we see a Shohei Otani land on one, at one of those two teams? I mean, who knows, right? So, I mean, uh, I think too, you have the Yankees are very reminiscent this year too of what the Cardinals have been doing. The same thing where you have a good team on paper, there's a lot of things going right. And for some reason, and the thing is too, I think this could happen for the Yankees just in the same way it happens to the Cardinals. You might just have one bad year that doesn't really make sense. And of course, if you do look at it, it does make sense. But it really might just be a one-off thing that you kind of have to scratch your head and go, I guess so. Okay. Like <laughs> do better, find your ways to do better, but another total anomaly there, but show the, I where show Highlands is going to be absolutely compelling. Cause I have no idea. Of course, it's probably going to come down to just who's willing to pay the most money, but also for a guy like that, anybody really could be willing to pay the most money and I think that's what's kind of not scary but you want to think it's going to be somebody like the Yankees or the Dodgers which of course like would probably be best case scenario for baseball but you never know if all of a sudden somebody random just goes all the chips in say we're just going to do it just to get him hopefully he goes to an actual contender so that we don't see this happen again where we go (laughs) why are we wasting the talents of the best baseball player on the planet or uh, two of the best baseball players on the planet. But I feel like there's a, there's a huge chance that we might also just see it happen where someone random goes, yeah, why not? Let's, let's pay the kid. Yeah. I, well, Tony goes, like you said, Lowe, it's a mystery when you have a player of the caliber as him, you know, you know, the whole league is obviously going to want him, but only some teams are uh, only some teams make sense. Only some teams are willing to pony up for him. The favorite is is the Dodgers. You know, if you ask most executives, that's what they think. I could definitely see it. I would love to use on the Mets. I don't think it's gonna happen. I do think I do think they'll sniff around. I have a hard time believing that the richest owner in baseball, Steve Cohen, who loves spending money when the and now the biggest free agent maybe ever is available. I have a hard time believing he's not gonna take a look, but I just don't see it happening as based off a state or a team. If their season went as planned, I would I would have been much more confident. In fact, heading into the season, I thought he was actually going to be on the Mets. But basically, by the All Star I was like, yeah, don't think it's going to happen. Don't be surprised if he signs with the with the Seattle Mariners. Though I I, I do think that's where, where we could ha- end up. First of all, you have um, Ichiro Suzuki, is another former Japanese star, going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. Of course, had an amazing career there. So you, you have the connection there and there's been some uh a lot of international guys have had success over there julio rodriguez is probably the star of their team over there you know usually kikuchi didn't really have tons of success there but seattle was able to grab him i i forgot exactly where he's from i'm not sure if he's the same nationality as you uh, see kikuchi kikuchi being the jays yeah, he was in Seattle first, so they were yeah, able to he was him. in Seattle. For, yeah, yeah I, was, I was. uh Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He didn't quite work out for them, obviously. And I, I no, I, think, I do not believe he's Japanese. He may be from actually Korea. Actually, I, I forget. Think he is Japanese. But, yeah. I oh, think he's Japanese. Japanese. No, oh, he is Japanese. Japanese. Oh, okay, yeah. so yeah, yes. this, so you got, you got that connection. Now that's a team. They're really young. Obviously, 
they didn't make the playoffs for 21 years. They made the play. They missed the playoffs consecutive years as, as many years as I've been on this planet. And then, <laughs> final, and then, and then finally, they broke through last year, making the playoffs. They even won a series. They should get in this year. Obviously, that, that division is, is a dogfight. I think they might at least sneak in the wild card. But they're, you know, they're having a promising year. Really young, like I said. And I think they're a team that, like, they're a team that, like, I could see being like, okay, we have a really good young core. Now it's time to make that one big move and take this over the top. And just, I think if they were to sign Otani, I'd probably pick up to win the World Series next year. And, and I think it's very possible. It's something that people aren't already, already talking about. They're talking about New York, talking about the Dodgers. But uh, I think, I, actually, that's where that's my, that is my prediction. Just please, God, do, Otani, don't resign with the Angels, please. Don't do that. <laughs> well, you know, I, yeah, Jake, I, I was uh, going to ask if uh, because Steve Cohen obviously is not too shy with the uh, with spending the dough. And uh, yeah. is there a possibility of him landing in New York? I mean, with the whole with geography being what it is, I mean, does playing on the West Coast make a difference at all? I mean, like, you know, Shohei is going to get paid and he could probably buy a supersonic jet to uh get uh, to japan in like you know half the time of a regular uh regular bird so uh i mean it, it would be uh i don't know i mean i i'm thinking that it's going to be west coast i mean i think the experience uh in uh with the angels has come and gone along with mike trout i mean how long is he going to be there but uh obviously Hopefully, maybe not longer maybe not much longer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely Listen, guys, uh, this has been just an absolute blast. I mean, the knowledge that you two, you three have is just, it goes without saying. And now I want to put you three to the test. So what I have uh, drawn up is an homage to uh, sports geniuses, the uh, uh, Fox Sports game show, which, uh, as we discussed in the beginning, the three of you don't remember so it was uh before your time which makes me feel kind of crummy but whatever that's another story <laughs> so uh, essentially what we are going to do is i am going to pose a couple of uh, baseball related uh statements and two of you are going to go back and forth until one person gets stumped so uh as uh, the example was uh, before we went to air uh, numbers between uh, 10 and 20, person A will say 13, person B will say 16, and uh, after, say, three to five seconds, three seconds, uh, if you can't come up with a name, uh, you will get a strike. So each of you are going to play against each other, okay? We are going to start with Matt and Lily, okay? So what we, uh, first statement is, American League most valuable players since 2000. You are going to give me an American League MVP, the winner of the AL MVP from 2000 onward. Repeat winners uh, are only counted once. So do not repeat the uh, uh, multiple uh, winners of the AL MVP. Lily uh, is before Matt in terms of alphabetically. Uh, three seconds, and it starts with you. Mike Trout. Correct. Matt? Shohei Otani. Correct. 
This is already off to a bad start. Okay. I, I, I. So, uh, yeah, there's a couple I'm of names. Spot. I'm scared of there. <laughs> yeah, between. I said uh, this would be embarrassing for me. I'm like, for uh, some reason, I'm just blanking on everyone. Oh my God! <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, between Aaron Judge, uh, Dustin Pedroia, Ichiro, uh, Do Josh Donaldson, there was uh, a couple of uh, Aaron couple Judge of was my when I'm like, I'm like he won one, and then I was like, no. <laughs> okay, so uh, we are going to so uh, Matt did have two, so that was a strike for Lily. Uh, we are now going to go to Matt and Jake. And I am going to ask you all-star game MVPs since 2000. Uh, since the year 2000, uh, please uh, tell me uh, uh, the uh, winner of the uh, Midsummer Classics uh, showcase game. Repeat winners only count as once. Uh, Jake, uh, Jake is before Matt. Jake, first to you. Elias Diaz. Correct. Matt? John Carlos Stanton. Correct. Jake? I'll take a I'll take a guess and say Aaron Judge. Nope. That is Aaron Judge uh, was not All-Star Game MVP. So uh going down the list here, we had Alex Bregman, we had Mariana Rivera, Michael Young, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, Shane Bieber. Uh, there was uh, definitely a few out there. Okay. Okay. So uh, that was a strike for uh, Jake. So uh, this uh, works out perfectly. So the winner of Between Lily and Jake will meet Matt in the finals. So uh, this question will be. Since, of course, the year 2000, National League Cy Young Award winners. Repeat, of course, as you know, will not count there. If I'm not mistaken, seeing my number, there are 17 winners. Uh, give me a second here. Three, six, nine, twelve. Uh, 17 appears to be uh, winners of the NL Cy Young Award since the year 2000. Uh, Jake, we'll start with you. Jacob DeGrom. Correct. Lily. Corbin Burns. Correct. <laughs> Max Scherzer. Correct. Uh, Sandy Alcantara. Correct. Clayton Kershaw. <sighs> Correct. Oh, man. This might be it for me. I'm blanking. Okay, Lily. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, well, uh, near and dear to my heart is a uh, Roy Halladay. Uh, oh Mark my God! Diamonds won in uh, 2004. Uh, looks like the first one. First uh, since 2000 was Randy Johnson. From there it was. Uh, oh my like, God! Uh, <laughs> Brandon that, Webb, Chris Carpenter, it, Tim Lincecum. Is Zach Greinke on that list? Zach Greinke is not on the NL list. He won AL, right? Yeah, I mean, it looks like thank God, thank God that that Lily got that wrong because I was gonna say Zach Greinke. 
Oh my god. Lance to come. Sorry, there's a wow. it's one of those things where I'm too you saying like Randy freak. Johnson. I'm like, he wanna it's so crazy to think I'm like, he wanna Cy Young and okay. Two thousand all right. Feels like it's of another time. Yeah, but let me be honest, you're trivia like that, not my strong suit. But it's not. Okay. I'm, it a I'm a little surprised. I gave, I... Uh I'll find I have like my niche categories. I'll remember things like all of a sudden where somebody's like RBI leaders. I'm like from like two years ago. I might be able to things like that. I can usually scrap it out, but sometimes those big ones, I'm like, okay. Like, no, you know what? I, I mean, I uh, when I was a kid, especially like I uh, was just. I was like a sports encyclopedia and now these days, I mean, Hey, I'm in my mid forties. So what do you want from me? Right? Like I have to get up uh, every now and then in the middle of the night to go to the washroom. I mean, like you three will get to that point. I mean, like, uh, I mean, it's going to be 20 years, but whatever. I mean, like I get it. I'm the other statement, a statesman amongst the four. Um, I've learned to accept that, but uh, so we are off to the championship round and it is between uh, Jake and Matt. Uh, best of luck to the both of you. I am going to ask you players from the 2019 World Series roster for the Washington Nationals. Washington Nationals uh, World Series roster. They, of course, won it in 2019. Seems like a long time ago. But uh, Jake is before Matt. Jake, first one to you. Steven Strasburg. Correct. Howie Kendrick. Correct. Max Scherzer. Correct. Trey Turner. Correct. Patrick Corbin. Correct. Juan Soto. Correct. Sean Doolittle. Correct. And Matt, I think we're going to have to cap it. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to cap it. Yeah. That is a tough one. I. The Mets play them 25 times a year. I I had a little bit. <laughs> oh my god, some of these names. I, I the Mets played that team. That team gave the Mets fits. That I I saw them a lot that year. Yeah, Lily, uh, Lily looks like uh, she's seeing the roster there. Yeah, and looking up says Anthony Daniel, Rendon. Daniel Hudson, Rendon, Kurt Suzuki, Rendon, Adam Anibal Sanchez. Robles, wow. Jan Gomes. Yeah, yeah, Jan Gomes. Yeah, he. Sharing uh, Chicago Cub. Mm-hmm. Well, Jay, Jay, tip of the cap to you. Thank you. That was that was a lot of fun. That was a lot no, of fun. No, <laughs> yeah, no, the pleasure was my. I mean, like, uh, yeah, sports geniuses. I think you might be able to find a YouTube video and. Uh, yeah, the uh, the final round I thought was really really cool, and I mean, of course. We uh, knew a lot of uh, casters from ColorCast, and they were trying to do some sort of uh, uh, sports trivia game and so on. I thought this was a really great concept, and mm-hmm. you guys, uh, no, you guys definitely brought it for sure. Uh, I have to say, I'm going to be sitting and thinking about how I didnn't guess uh, Aaron Judge or even uh, <laughs> A-Rod. A-Rod, you know, A-Rod would have been a good one. There's a few of those there yeah. that I'm, uh, I'm going to be sitting and thinking about for a while, wondering why my why I decided to shut down in that moment and go, I know nobody. 
but <laughs> you know we're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna let it slide not even dropping in a verlander uh you know well, there's there's a there's a few there that are gonna i'm gonna think about for a while uh, that's gonna haunt you uh is that uh fair to say lily i mean uh no, it's gonna that's... be listen if i'm if i i ever come back around uh and there's a similar situation i'm gonna be making sure i am up on my game uh <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be i'm gonna be practicing well uh i really do hope uh that that will be the case uh you know this was just an absolute blast uh you know uh talking baseball and the three of you uh making some time uh uh to come on this uh you know the knowledge that you three have uh is just incredible uh you know really uh really appreciate the three of you and uh if we do it again soon i'll be sure to uh come up with another trivia challenge if you guys are down <laughs> oh definitely. I'm all absolutely perfect perfect for uh jake cardinale lily schumacher and matt siriani i am randy Kure. this is what's up the sports podcast find me on uh instagram twitter or x whatever it's called at what's up podcast you could also find on uh youtube as well thank you so much for joining us hope you are doing well and keeping safe we will talk to you next time